Every day we learn one more thing about the horror of critical race theory, how it's getting implemented in our schools, how it's being implemented in our lives. And every day it seems there's one more story of people saying, yeah, this isn't going to work. We want no part of this. Oh, we get it now. This is flat out bigotry. And it is. It absolutely is. Look, we're paying attention to everything. We've got the Chauvin-George Floyd trial wrapping up. Closing arguments are happening in Minneapolis. You've got this attack that took place at the FedEx Ground Center in Indianapolis, my beloved Indy, right? This is where I live. Eight people murdered, the suspect taking his own life. So nine people dead in total. And you've got these very foolhardy gun debates thoughtless conversation happening, just screaming and yelling about firearms and no willingness to get to the harder subject, right? They talk about having difficult conversations, but they never seem to do so. The same thing is true for the people in the world of critical race theory. They all want to talk about having difficult conversations, But their version of a difficult conversation is you, regardless of whoever you are, regardless of the color of your skin, you agree with them. And if you disagree, well, then you are indeed a bigot or a racist. This is the horror show that is critical race theory. And we have even more to prove this. And and if asked, Tony, you, you seem to discuss this often, why? I can think of nothing that is more important, actually more important than the Second Amendment conversations that take place, because this is actually a First Amendment conversation, and this is about whether or not we actually truly love our children. I discuss, for example, and when the conversation of transgenderism comes up, I can't tell adults what to do. I don't quite understand it. That's okay. I don't have to. But when it comes to children, children are not allowed to change their gender. What? It's child abuse if you allow them to. And if that means I lose friends, I'm okay with that. It is child abuse to allow a 12-year-old to decide their gender. 12-year-olds can't decide anything. 9-year-olds can't decide anything. 15-year-olds can't decide anything. I didn't say they couldn't feel a certain way. I am saying they cannot make decisions for themselves that involve medical treatment. And the people who say they can are guilty of child abuse. It is, as I see it, a predatory relationship. I feel the same way these days about this idea of just being abusive. From those who push critical race theory and anti-racism and very often how it is pushed through offices of diversity, equity, and inclusion. I put forth to you that those offices should be removed from high schools and middle schools all around the country and from universities because what they push is bigotry. Tony Katz, so good to be with you, Tony Katz, today on Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. The phone number, 833-GOT-TONY. Feel free. Let me hear what you think. 833-468-8669. Agree or disagree, I'm happy to engage it with you. This latest is is a uh, twofold. The first comes uh, from Barry Weiss. 
who is part of a group called Foundation Against Intolerance and Racism, uh, fairforall.us. Uh, I'm a huge believer in this group. Because they're, discu- they're doing, you know, what we're just, we've been discussing for, for months now, for over a year now. The bigotry that is critical race theory. Critical race theory posits that race intersects and involves all things. So anything you see, anything that you think is a problem, well, race could be a reason. Or race is the reason. As a matter of fact, race is the reason. It's always about race. It teaches people to find bigotry and to find racism, even where it doesn't exist, to be able to prove that they are indeed a victim. It creates within people hatred. Because if racism is responsible for everything that is wrong, you will find racism in everything as opposed to dealing with issues in and of themselves. And this is true of people who are black and who are white and everything in between. Anti-racism states that you fight discrimination with discrimination and you fight future discrimination with discrimination. It is an add-on that says that you, whoever you are, are guilty. Any chance or any time somebody says that you're guilty. And if you are white, you are guilty because of the color of your skin. Who you are as an individual is stripped away and all that is left is a radical anti-American group think that decides you are guilty because of your color, your whiteness. And if you should disagree, that's where they get into things like white fragility and et cetera, that you're just too fragile to accept the truth. It's very convenient. It is teaching racism and teaching bigotry and teaching hate. No good can come from it. It never has and it never will. And I say this knowing that uh, where, where my kids go to school, there's, a, there's this office for diversity, equity, inclusion, and I want it closed. And down the road, there's an office for diversity, equity, and inclusion, and it should be closed. And across uh, the city, uh, there in another county, there's an office of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and it should be closed. It is an obsession And as we have discussed with this concept of equity, they don't even know what it means. No one knows what it means. None of these progressives know what it means. It is simply a way of saying wealth redistribution and you have to give more. I don't know who the you is. I assume it's anybody who disagrees with them. But it's a fetish. And it is the teaching of hate. Barry Weiss Posting to her Substack, Barry Barry is B-A-R-I, Weiss is W-E-I-S-S, so barryweiss.substack.com, you have to read this letter. That's what she wrote. And it's about a man whose daughter goes to a private school in New York, New York called Breerly, B-R-E-A-R-L-E-Y. Breerly costs $54,000 a year. That's, that's what it costs. And parents have to take an anti-racism pledge to be considered for admission. In these private schools, I mean, certainly we see it in public schools, we see it in universities, but in these private schools, they are are beyond radical in this conversation of critical race theory and anti-racism. They are so desperate to seem like they are caring that they are tearing the schools apart. This is true in Indianapolis, where I live. This is true in New York. This is true in Lincoln, Nebraska. This is true of private schools all across the country. The radical indoctrination that's going on. 
Well, the first places you ever saw the Instagram uh, um, groups called Black At. Black at Sidwell Friends, Black at Park Tudor, Black at all these private schools. It was through Instagram and it was people saying racism happened here and look what happened to me there. And nobody knows whether these accounts are real or legitimate. Maybe some are. But they all happened so quickly that it was clearly part of a plan, a funded plan to sow division and hate and to move administrations into defensive postures because they don't want to be seen as racists and move forward on this radical ideology of anti-racism. Anti-racism is bigotry and the people who teach it are wrong. I want to make sure I'm clear on that. So this letter comes from a man by the name of Andrew Gutman. And in this letter, he states, it cannot be stated strongly enough that Brearley's obsession with race must stop. It should be abundantly clear to any thinking parent that the Brearley, that Brearley has completely lost its way. The administration and the board of trustees have displayed a cowardly and appalling lack of leadership by appeasing an anti-intellectual, illiberal mob and then allowing the school to be captured by that same mob. He continues, I object to the view that I should be judged by the color of my skin. I cannot tolerate a school that not only judges my daughter by the color of her skin, but encourages and instructs her to prejudge others by theirs. By viewing every element of education, every aspect of history, and every facet of society through the lens of skin color and race, we are desecrating the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and utterly violating the movement for which such civil rights leaders believed, fought, and died. Now, we all know this is true, that when you judge people by the color of their skin, it's everything certainly we as, a, as, as an older generation were taught not to do, everything I continue to teach my children not to do because I'm not buying in to this critical race theory hellscape. And so when you hear something like this from somebody in New York who's paying $54,000 a year, it doesn't necessarily hold more weight because you're sending your kids to a public school in the suburbs in the Midwest. The issue is still the issue, and the fight still remains. I object to a definition of systemic racism, apparently supported by Brearley, that any educational, professional, or societal outcome where blacks are underrepresented is prima facie evidence of the aforementioned systemic racism or of white supremacy and oppression. Facile and unsupported, I think I pronounced that right, and unsupported beliefs such as these are the polar opposite to the intellectual and scientific truth for which Brearley claims to stand. I object to mandatory anti-racism training for parents, especially when presented by the rent-seeking charlatans of Pollyanna. These sessions, in both their content and delivery, are so sophomoric and simplistic, so unsophisticated and inane, that I would be embarrassed that they were taught to Brearley kindergartners. They are an insult to parents and unbecoming of any educational institution, let alone one of Brearley's caliber. And he continues, I object to Brearley's vacuous, inappropriate, and fanatical use of words such as equity, diversity, and inclusiveness. If Brearley's admission was truly concerned about so-called equity, it would be discussing the cessation of admissions preferences for legacies, siblings, and those families with especially deep pockets. You gotta love that.
You got to love this letter. And by the way, I don't know what this man does for a living, but you know he's getting targeted, right? He's getting targeted right now and as we speak. You know it. I know it. He knows it. Meanwhile, there's the story of Paul Rossi, who's a teacher at Grace Church School in New York, standing up to this critical race theory and anti-racism bigotry. Wrote a letter posted by Barry Weiss. He has now been relieved of his teaching duties. I am writing in response to the letter that you sent over the weekend to my colleagues. Grace's public story, the story it is telling to the press and to its community, has been very different from what you have told me. In light of your statement that my essay contains glaring omissions and inaccuracies, and in support of those who will inevitably be scared into silence by seeing the price I am now paying for speaking up, I am compelled to share what you have told me in our previous conversations. This is the teacher saying, you want to fire me? All right, here's what you said. Here is absolutely positively what you said. This is who you are. Do you know the strength it takes to do this? The strength it takes to make this happen. None of this is easy. This is remarkably difficult stuff. This is your job. This is your livelihood. And yet, it's gone in a blink because you disagree. Because you don't want to buy in. This is the price you pay for being a parent. This is the price you pay for loving your children. You don't love your children by sending them to schools that buy into this hatred and to this bigotry. It teaches kids how to be hateful. It teaches them to hate. How could they ever be happy? It teaches them to be distrustful. And you don't do that to your kids. You stand up for them. And I know people who have stood up for their kids and their friends have called them racists. The school has called them racists. You know what? You stand up. You fight. Doesn't matter if they call you racist. Your kid is worth it. It's happening in public schools and it's happening in private schools and people are saying enough. Good. This is the start of something amazing. Be a part of it. Stand up to this and demand that anti-racism and critical race theory be ripped out of schools. Demand that if they teach the 1619 Project, they should be fired. Stay on your superintendents, stay on your principals, and and the principals with you. Stay on your principal of your school with your principals. There, I said it right. And demand better. And when they call you racist, keep on moving. Keep on demanding. Critical race theory teaches hate, and anti-racism teaches hate, inculcates hate, tries to establish and bake in the concepts of hate and bigotry to which there is no survival. Do not let them. Yes, they'll come after you. They'll come after your business. They may come after your kid, but if you love your kid, you'll do it. 
That's my take. If you love your kid, you will fight for them and fight for what's right, regardless of the color of your skin. I'm Tony Katz. Who knew that radio on the internet would be so popular? First it was, you know, it was Clubhouse, right? And it's, it's, it's an app, and you can have conversations with people, and you can talk to each other, and people hate it because uh, it allows people to speak freely, and so there's instances of harassment or racism and anti-Semitism on the app. I'm not in favor of any of those things, but you can delete the app. People want to say dumb stuff. I say let them. Free speech and all. And then Spotify was offering, a, they're working on a live audio version. I'm like, this is, this is radio online. What? I was doing this years ago. I didn't know there was money in it. And now Reddit is going to offer moderator. You know what Reddit is, right? R-E-D-D-I-T. Maybe, maybe some, ask your kids. So uh, they're going to start allowing moderators to utilize Reddit talk to let people have conversations, whether it's lectures or Q&As, uh, radio-style discussions, meaning talk radio. People have shows. They'll have shows on Reddit because what I need is more competition. Yeah, but only radio makes the money. All, all these online players, all of these online players, right? They can, they can uh, talk about how many users they have, right? And users are real, but they're not making money. Radio makes more money than these online players. What's going on? And look how really starved people are for connection in this way. Right? All the audio content that's out there. But you know what people want to do? They want to converse live. I mean, what does this say for the future of podcasts? Meanwhile, go to TonyCats.com and download the podcast immediately. Actually, see, it's not, there's a difference. I should get into that. And then I'll ask you what you think. What are you looking for in content? I got that story on the other side. Oh, and there's no need for the minimum wage. And one company just proved it. This is Tony Katz today. So there's CNN on the street, I guess, doing some reporting. And a couple people are like, hey. CNN and they walk right up to them and they got their little video camera and they're out on their phone or whatever it is and they're like, hey, CNN, so uh, so what's the story with uh, with that Project Veritas stuff? How you doing today? I'm all right. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I see you reporting on Twitter. Okay. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. <laughs> hey, but I seen the Project Veritas hey. stuff from, from, about CNN. What do you guys think about that? Yeah. No comment. No comment about Project Veritas and their technical director saying, oh, yeah, yeah, we look, we, we worked hard to promote Biden and to downplay Trump. Oh, yeah, we think we won the election for Biden. No, oh, absolutely. I mean, they're proud of it. And they just got they just got a, a technical director. Who knows? They might have many, many more people. And I get people don't like their tactics. I get it. I absolutely get it. Tony Katz, so good to be with you. Tony Katz today. The phone number, I want to hear from you. 833-468-8669. 833-GOT-TONY is the number. It's a conversation about content.
What is it that you're looking for? Because producer Ari thinks I'm I'm overplaying, and I think that I'm just having a good time, and I, and I'll and I'll explain in 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 in, in a second. So I, uh, we, we got the shows and of course I've got the cigar show and, um, I, I've been long wanting to do more of a, of a, of a talk show kind of thing, uh, via video. And so I decided we're going to throw a, an event. So on my Facebook page, this is Saturday night, facebook.com slash Tony Katz radio. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to do a show. We're going to do an hour. We're going to do a show. I've got it, uh, you know, sketched together, and I've got it put together. And, gosh, I, I hope I, – I think I've got the, the technical parts right and accurate. We're going we're gonna to put this thing together and have some fun, and we're, we're going to try it. And the question is, could this be something that you do, you know, every quarter, or could this be something you do every month? Could this be something you do every week? And then it came to a conversation of what people pay for content. So we're not discussing – Netflix, right? The idea that you pay thirteen ninety nine a month, but you have the thousands of, uh, of pieces of content, right? Or, or Hulu or something like that. But what you pay on 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 people's sites and and things like that, what works? Because it's not that it has to be paid, right? It could be, and I'm, I'm not thinking of, you know, in in the, in the tens or twenties or thirties of dollars. A a fee. A hey, thanks for for doing something interesting. We like interesting stuff. Here you go. But it doesn't have to be that. I I I sometimes look at the subscription model and say I think I'd be better with the sponsorship model. I think it's I don't know. It just seems like a a, a better model for me. But it doesn't mean that that I'm right. But before I get into it, where are you? When you see people that you whether you listen to them on radio or you see them on on TV and they're doing things. Are you are you in for that, right? I often talk about supporting content creators, but the, the maybe the better way to look at it is where are you? What what creates value for you? Now, producer Ari, he is just so negative, and and he's like, oh, there's no value whatsoever. Nobody's interested. Move on. That's not what I said. Then what did you say? I said you're trying to build the train tracks when the train's already on the track. You're 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 on step eighty, and you're you skipped steps twenty five through seventy nine. I don't. How did I skip any steps though? Because you can't. You gotta. You gotta. You gotta. I would say the 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 online streaming show is a is a good idea in principle, but I think the the focus should be on the radio first and foremost. Till that thing is a is a money making machine, and then you do the next thing. First of all. The radio's doing pretty good. Uh, it, it could do better. Sponsorship now available. Uh, it's, it isn't about one or the other. It's about whether or not things have to be done in, in tandem. Now, I will say to you that some, I, I, as much as I am uh, an adapter, uh, or an adopter, I should say, of, of new media, I'm an old school cat, Right. So I still believe very much in radio, and I believe that taking some of the video things I've done and, and doing it as TV, like old school in that way. But I don't think I have to wait until, is there like a certain number of stations we have to be on before we're allowed to do this other thing? No, See, but I, you know, I, I couldn't tell you the number. I would just, you know, I would, I would focus on my baby first before branching out into something new. So let me go through a, a, a theory. And this is why I want to hear from you on Twitter at Tony Katz, Parlor Tony Katz, uh, the phone number 833 468 8669. 
one of the best pieces of advice I ever got uh, was on this subject was about podcasts. Now, podcasts are different than radio. So, for example, Tony Katz today is offered as a podcast, but it's not a podcast. It's the radio show that's available as a download. There's a difference. When I started Eat, Drink, Smoke, which is my cigar and bourbon show, that was started as a podcast, a true, full, complete podcast. And then it got picked up for radio syndication. It's now on 60-some-odd stations across the country. Um, but the reason I'd started the podcast is because one of the good piece of, pieces of advice that I, I, had, I had received was the idea that you don't wait until you lose your radio gig to start a podcast. You start the podcast, and then if anything goes wrong, you still have the podcast. What happens is, is that people don't create three-legged stools. They do a thing, and then when that thing, something goes wrong, then they start a new thing. No, no, no. You do a thing, and then you add the other things to it, so if something goes wrong in one spot, you still have this sturdy vehicle and this sturdy career going forward. That's kind of how I see it, right? And so that, and I said, that's interesting, and I said, I I'm going to do a podcast, but I want to get it out of politics, right? So Eat, Drink, Smoke has no politics, actually. It, it was it's it's just about the other stuff. It's it's just a great way to kind of uh, flex the muscle and and do something else. And you know I, I've got more than one interest in my life. But I'm curious as to where content people are. I'm curious as to where or, or, or people who who take in the content, what it is you're looking for, when, where, why, and how. Is it too much? Is it is it uh, too much in, in in that you'd be like Tony's doing too many things because I don't feel like I'm doing too many things. And is there other examples of content where you see people in a couple different places and you still want to digest it all in all the places? Or there's some things like yeah that's cool and something like eh, it's not for me. That's what I'm curious about. That's what I'm, I'm curious about. I don't think, Ari, that doing some of these video ideas that I have keeps me from being focused on, on radio. So I, I, after you described the, the podcast thing, I think I'm looking at this like a product. Because you hear stories about people who create a product, and then instead of selling the product and trying to do the product, they're trying to create the next thing. And the thing I've always been taught in business is like, Sell the product you have first before you do the next thing. But I guess in the radio world, it's a different beast. The radio world is an awkward beast. I'll say that. Uh, Scott on Twitter is like, what, what you need are more guests. And I'm like, I, I am fully aware that I do one of the weirdest things on radio ever. The number of guests I have, you can count on one hand in, in a week. And you could have like four fingers left over. I don't. I get it. I get. I don't. I don't do many guests. Listen, I would take more phone calls, but producer Ari refuses to put you through. I just must just say that for the record. I'll put a good caller through. Right. That's why social media helps because then I can, you know, comment there. But I, I don't do many callers, and and I guess I mean I mean I, many guests I could have, you know, this super popular person, that super popular person, but I. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to necessarily ask them. 
I, I guess. Maybe if I was doing, maybe for the video stuff, I would do more guest-related things. Like one of the shows I'd wanted to create, I actually did a couple episodes, was Virtual Bourbon, where I drink my favorite and, you, and they drink their favorite, and then we talk about the bourbon and then we talk about other things. Right? Fun, inventive, works in the COVID world, right? I can bring that in. I can bring that part in. Like, that's an interview I would do because I would love to hear from from some author or for some athlete about what, what is the bourbon you drink at home and why and what's the story behind it. I did an interview with my rabbi. My rabbi's, my rabbi's like, I only drink scotch. I'm like, what? Yeah, the, yeah I had a problem in college. Yeah, I tried some bourbon. It didn't work out. So uh, now it's just scotch. I'm sorry, that's a hip rabbi. That'll make some people convert. Yeah, I, I'm here to tell you. I, I just, I think you could do more than one thing. But you should, I should change it up. So to that, I will agree, Ari. You don't do radio on, on, on a video series. You make it something unique to that. And I promise you, this Saturday, 8 p.m., I'll do that. Facebook.com slash Tony Katz Radio. Check it out now and get your reservation. I'm Fingers Malloy, your bourbon and cigar guy and host of the Eat, Drink, Smoke podcast, and this is the Bourbon Minute. Well, there's more good news out of the Kentucky distillery world with the Log Still Distillery. They're going to invest $24 million in the second phase of a project. The company says it's building a family-friendly tourism destination. It's going to include a 300-acre campus that will be home to the distillery and other amenities like a bed and breakfast restaurants and just a whole bunch of good touristy stuff for people who love bourbon tourism. This was the Bourbon Minute brought to you by Eat, Drink, Smoke. It's your cigar bourbon foodie radio extravaganza. Check it out on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or your favorite podcast platform. Eat, Drink, Smoke. This is the anniversary of the Oklahoma City bombing. Good Lord. April 19th, 1995. I mean, I, I remember watching uh, that video. I remember that day. I, know we were living, I was living in Florida. Good Lord. That's the Al- Murrah building, the Alfred Murrah building, uh, uh, Timothy McVeigh. People forget Terry Nichols as well. That's just a... Killed 168 people, possibly more. It's a weird thing to just pop out at you. I haven't haven't thought about it. You know, just... 26 years later? That's That's crazy. That is just a, you know, I mean, I, I would consider Oklahoma City a where were you, but probably more so if you lived in Oklahoma City, right? Where were you moments uh, Reagan was, was, was shot, um, the Challenger explosion, 9-11, those are, are where were you, I think, that are, are nationwide. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. Greta Thunberg, not talking climate, but talking climate and also talking about vaccines. Just with the climate crisis, those who are the most vulnerable need to be prioritized, and global problems require global solutions. It is completely unethical that high-income countries are now vaccinated. 
young and healthy people if that happens at the expense of people in risk groups and on the front lines in low and middle income countries. And this is a moral test. We talk today about showing solidarity, and yet vaccine nationalism, it's what's running the vaccine distribution. Greta Thunberg's a child. Why is anybody listening to this child? We, we made the vaccine. We're going to vaccinate Americans first. If you don't like it, no one cares. No one cares. You're not important. I mean, you're important to your mom. Your dad, I mean, if you're really important, they wouldn't have you being so abused as a child. But hey, it, it, you're important to them. And I think that's adorable. But just so we all understand each other, you, you don't, you don't count. You don't, it's such a, it's, it's vaccine nationalism is as ridiculous a statement as anything else I've ever heard. Because if you make the vaccine, you get it first. You get it first. Anybody who says otherwise is out of their head. And if you disagree, uh, Greta Thunberg, no one cares, kid. Right? She's no longer a child, right? Greta Thunberg's over 18. I'm not speaking out of school. Right? I don't believe that people should be yelling at children. But when you are an adult... Over the age of 18, you can deal with what comes. She's 18 now. As of January 3rd, she's 18. Okay. You're an adult. You don't know what you're talking about. And it's sad. And I'm sorry that you were so abused by parents that clearly hate you.